What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet is brought to you by our presenting sponsor panko chicken panko chicken is the home of the best japanese american chicken tender and it continues to rack up the awards in atlanta winning the 2019 super bowl live top selling vendor award multiple best-selling tastes at the taste of atlanta awards in 2017 and 2018 and even the best fried chicken award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Panko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Panko, their family, and I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family. And I love them and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Panko Chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also, go to chasethomaspodcast.com. I am uh, I'm writing my ass off there uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all of my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream, this, uh, this sports media thing. And um, you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated, or Fox Sports, or DAZN, or whoever, um, because I'm not going to quit. I am, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles, and just outworking everyone, because I just, I just want this more, and I believe my product, and I believe in where I'm going. Um, we're over 300 episodes strong and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down. Took a break, but this is, uh, this is my jam and this is what I want. This is my passion. And, uh, yeah. So leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It mean a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and all of that because I I just I need your support. So if you like the podcast, keep listening, keep subscribing, tell tell your friends, keep sharing it out, keep reading my work, and uh, yeah. So okay, all right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Monday Night Edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, a very special, inaugural, first-time-ever edition of the podcast where we're starting a new thing. Um, that just happened. It's a thing of the past. We are on to bigger and better things. It's Tell Me I'm Wrong with Big Dunk, who is not going to go by his full name because he hates his real name as much as I hate my real name. Duncan, good evening. How are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate the uh, introduction. Uh, it's actually kind of cool that uh, you're the first person I go on a podcast with. Never thought it would happen, but here we are. I'm excited about it nonetheless, though. You were extremely excited because you sent me a, a wave emoji um, when you got on Skype. Just to... first, of all, first of all, it was a smiley face and mm -hmm. a wave. Don't leave Correct. out details. That's not cool. <laughs> it, was, it was very nice. It was very you nice. Know, you know, I thought I would show some love because mm -hmm. I, I usually don't. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a it was a rare occasion where I should. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So we should probably tell people because Noah has been on this podcast, um, someone else we live with, 
Cole has been on this podcast. You were the last of the Mohicans to be on this podcast. But um, we're recording this uh, like 20 feet away in different rooms because um, Noah, other friend of the pod and roommate and friend of ours, um, has not provided the other microphone yet for us to do this in the same room at the same time. Yeah, no, it can be kind of selfish that way, but we're we're just going to let it ride for the night. But uh, at least I can't hear you, so that works. Yeah, um, next week we should, um, we're going to do this every Monday night. We should probably uh, specify that. So every Monday night we're going to be doing um, this NFL um, theme podcast, and we'll get into why I'm calling it Tell Me I'm Wrong, um, which I think could be fun um, because I'm wrong about a lot of things. And um, you should probably go ahead and tell people what you have me in your phone as. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. I have you as the uh, mad capper. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that mean for people who are not uh, fluent in this kind of uh, verbiage these days? See, I, I don't even know what you meant by that. But anyway, we're going <laughs> to go on to it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think everybody knows much. what capping is. Like, if you're <laughs> like, you got to think about the demographics for my podcast. I'm not sure everyone knows what a cap is. And um, we need to specify. Oh, no. I mean, I'm going to specify, but I think most of your listeners know. I hope. Well, we'll see. But uh, capping is pretty much just uh, bluffing or blowing smoke. Or in your case, it could be uh, an over-exaggeration, if you will. I don't ever. And, uh, I never exaggerate. Yep. I'm never hyperbolic. I'm always very um, – I, I, I like to keep things even keeled at all times. And I never, ever embellish anything when i'm making an argument that um i'm trying to um win wait wait who who are you talking about i'm talking about myself oh uh, we're, we're definitely confused but um <laughs> other than that other than the name i also have a picture of the mad hatter but mm. it's actually a little schoolgirl wearing the mad hatter outfit oh and fuck. I just, is I that really, really what it is i didn't even know what the picture was oh absolutely every time you call even though like i, I decline to call every time like <laughs> i look at it <laughs> i'm looking at the decline. I'll let, I'll let it ring for a couple of seconds and then I'm like, ah, I don't have time. I'll see him at home. And it's all good. That is a, um, that is a cap because your phone goes straight to voicemail the first time you call it. Well, well that's because I live on Do Not Disturb, but yes, when I'm not, when I'm not, or um, if I'm not feeling it today, it's going straight to voicemail. I am blown away that Sarah has not been able to get rid of the do not disturb uh first ring stuff with you i i cannot believe oh, no, no, that has no, not she, changed she didn't tell you she broke through like uh she we finally after after eight months of dating we figured hey i think it's time for her to not be on the do not disturb list she's she's on a select few there's her and five other people um i, I don't guess i would know, say three it's gonna upset me that i'm not on the list it's, yet it's fine. I mean, it's literally, it's really three, not counting my mom so and my sisters. And so it's it's fine. You're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get there one day, I think. You, you, you think. Okay. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I should probably start, like, cleaning up dishes and doing basic things around the house to really move up the ranks. I mean, that would help. Common courtesy goes so mm-hmm. far. But, hey, you, you do your thing, and we'll, we'll figure it out at that point. So we should probably get into some NFL stuff. Um, <laughs> you and I are both big, uh, big NFL guys. But hey, man, we have to preface this podcast before we get actually into the nitty gritty of the NFL this weekend um, with, like, you know, setting the table um, to let people know, like, where, why this is happening, who you are, because we're bringing you out. Like, we brought uh, Noah out. We, I'm bringing. I, my dad's been on multiple times. I gotta, I gotta th- set the table for people who are on the outside of the sports media landscape. So I think this is healthy and people want to know. And now they're like, how many people does Chase live with? Because th- the numbers are starting to add up. Yeah, it's, it's starting to sound more like a brothel. <laughs> but uh, I mean, <laughs> I appreciate you uh, popping my uh, my podcast, Cherry, even though I just felt extremely weird by saying that. But it's all good. <laughs> We're going to move past it. But I do appreciate you uh, explaining and just showing the odd relationship that goes on in this household too everybody who listens to your podcast which is probably a lot by this point yeah all right well so nfl week two is almost done we have browns jets going on tonight um monday night football continues to just get screwed 
by uh, <laughs> like ESPN. I just at this point you're like, can we just get rid of this? Like, what is the point? Um, just then again, last night or last Monday night we had uh, an amazing Tex uh, Texan Saints game that we both watched. That was crazy. But then the follow up, the the Raiders Broncos was a little bit of a snoozer. Um, but just Browns with uh, like uh, an easy win, and then you look at the Jets with no Darnold, no CJ Mosley, no Quinn Williams. Like it's just. Not a great situation if you're um, ESPN with these these broadcasts. But um, from week two versus week one, did you think week two was a better overall slate of games? Did you enjoy week two more than week one? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to talk about that Monday night thing because it's, it's really like they're just getting screwed all together because I turned on the game for a second before the pod started. Literally, Trevor Simeon's first play, sack, sack for five-yard <laughs> loss. But... <laughs> So if that's telling you how Monday night football is going, I don't know what else will. But I think week two is definitely better than week one. I think week one, you like get all the excitement out. The players are like getting they still have those jitters, anxiety and everything like that. But going into week two, you're kind of settling in more and guys are getting more so into football shape that you can't really get into to training camp. But you're also seeing a lot of adversity going through these teams like. The Saints losing Drew Brees. We got the Steelers up there losing Ben Roethlisberger. It's just a whole bunch of stuff going on, and you're just really seeing how deep these teams are and and uh, how they're how they're going to progress without these uh, these primetime players. It's kind of wild to watch it, but and it seems also that, that the uh, refs are not getting better at all. <laughs> but, but no, that's another story. <laughs> Especially not for the Saints who got screwed again on Sunday. They wouldn't have won the game anyway, so at least it wasn't like a backbreaker where like Cam Jordan returning that did not um like that was not going to change the way that game was going with Teddy and everybody else. Like the the Rams were still extremely dominant. Did you see that Cooper Cup catch and run? Oh, absolutely. I have Jared Goff on my fantasy team. So, watching Cooper Cup, the last of the great wide 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 receivers. I'm just Last of the great. Are you saying we're extinct? Wait, that was that was a hot take. My bad. Uh, but uh, you know, there's not there's not that many of y'all. I mean, that don't just play slot. I mean, you got Cooper Cup, you got Adam Thielen, and Julian Edelman. You... Yeah, okay. Uh, there is a dude just... in Tampa Bay whose name like Scooter or something like Scotty. I think he's like Scotty Scooter or something like that. We had Adam Humphreys in Tampa Bay last year, but he moved on to Tennessee because he thought that playing for Marcus Mariota for a season was a was a fun idea. So. Um, so well, we're gonna I, miss there. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking Humphreys, Cole, Cole Beasley, Beasley, yeah. Uh, who was Danny Amendola? I think those are all just the same guy. They just suit up for different. Well, Thielen's they- different. Thielen and Cup are different dudes. Like those two are like Thielen is an insane route runner, and he's just an, like he's great. And I feel bad for him because like Kirk Cousins is getting no time to throw again. I think he's been pressured on 60 percent of his dropbacks through two weeks. So that offensive line is just as bad as it was last year. Um, Kirk Cousins, um, spoiler alert, still bad when he's pressured. And that's a problem if you're Minnesota because I don't see how that offensive line gets better this year. I mean, it definitely doesn't. I mean, and it doesn't help at all that they that he got all that guaranteed money. And with Minnesota, they have all these high expectations. I mean, they were one of those teams that's supposed to be in the Super Bowl like a couple years ago. So yeah. Kirk Cousins is is on the hottest seat I've ever seen, but with the most guaranteed money I've ever seen. So I don't know how that's going to Well, work. not anymore. Jared Goff, I think, has the most guaranteed money now, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He just blew that up. He just yeah. – uh, yeah, he messed up a lot of things. Like uh, literally every quarterback deal that was about to be made, I think Jared Goff blew all those uh, negotiation talks up. So it's weird how different the NBA and the NFL is sometimes. Where you like look at certain things, and Steve Young tonight said that like the NFL is starting to turn into the NBA, and that like Jalen Ramsey requested a trade. And we'll get into that in just a second, but um, just that how crazy it is for some people to be like, oh, he got a fully guaranteed contract, and then the NBA everything's guaranteed, other than like, I mean, there were the partial guarantee for the G League guys and the two-way players and stuff like that, but like, just how anti-labor the NFL is, where like guaranteed contracts are like this insane proposition for people, where you're, fans are just blown away from that, and then are just normalized to baseball and basketball contracts. It's it's very weird. Yeah, it's, it's also weird because I mean, like the CB, it's the CBA that the players help sign too, and it's I guess right. I guess when they started those negotiations and stuff like that, they didn't get the best end of the deal and i'm honestly guessing they didn't really know what they were signing on for but i feel like a lot of fans still don't know 
the, the meaning of the guaranteed money. They see these huge contracts. Like they look at a Michael Thomas deal and think he's a $100 million man. And that's not really the case when you get into the particulars and stuff. Like most of the money is made up front. And then as the years go by, it trickles down. But the modern fan isn't going to know that because like when you think about basketball, baseball and everything like that, it's set in stone, fully guaranteed every time. So why wouldn't it be across the board is what most people would think. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. It's gonna get weirder, I think, in the near future. Um, what game had your like? You're a Cowboys fan, but outside of that game, which really wasn't all that interesting, um, because they they won big again on on Sunday. But what game had your attention the most? Yeah, it was like uh, <clears throat> I mean, everybody first thought like being a Cowboys fan. I want to say them versus Redskins, but let's let's get real. Um, more so, I want to say it was the the Falcons Eagles. That game was just a nail-biter. It was pulling every which way possible. Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan were throwing interceptions like it was no like it was no thing. And it was I feel like everybody on the Philadelphia Eagles was hurt or in per, uh, concussion protocol at some point in time. So it, it was just kind of wild to watch it. Um, <clears throat> I'm really, really worried about this Falcons defense, though. They don't seem to be able to stop anything past 10 yards, so... We'll see how they go in the future. It's it's definitely not great. Um, I would say, like, the Eagles are definitely getting hit by the injury bug and everything else, but it's it's crazy that they played so poorly and were still in that game, and that says a lot about the Falcons. And um, it turns out Devontae Freeman, still a bad contract for the Falcons. Um, I think he averaged, what, like 2.5 yards per carry last night. Um, injuries to the offensive line again. Um, I Julio, freak of nature. That was great, but Absolutely. I the Matt Ryan accuracy stuff is something to monitor because he's throwing a lot. He the run game's not there. The offensive line's not great. He's not going to have as clean of a pocket as he's had in years past. Like I, I wonder if we see some significant Matt Ryan regression this year. I think he's a, which is a problem because everybody's jobs are on the line in 2019 in Atlanta. I, I haven't loved what I've seen from Matt Ryan. I wonder how it's interesting because you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt, but also he's, he's getting up there. The offensive line's not great. The running game's non-existent. And I just, I wonder if he has a really down year that no one talks about because they're like, Oh, it's Matt Ryan. It's like, well, he was actually not great. If you watch the games every week. Well, I mean, it's always, it's always going to be a push and pull with, with Matt Ryan, just because he's going to still put up like these ungodly numbers, but people forget like when it comes to the fundamentals about football and what you're looking for, it's about winning games and the Falcons, just aren't doing that. I think it's part of this Atlanta curse that we got going, but they're literally throwing, he threw the ball about four to three times yesterday and they just can't seem to block for him and they can't seem to run the ball. So literally the only thing they can do right now is throw the ball. But if we're seeing this regression from Matt Ryan and it's starting this year and it's going to be continue, I would assume as he gets older in age, like the Falcons are only going to get worse from here. And that division is not as strong as it used to be. No, it's it's not. And it's one of those things, like, it, once the season starts, it's crazy. We're two weeks in, and now we're all just like, the NFC South sucks. Like, if you look in the summer, everybody's like, oh, the NFC South might be the toughest division in football. But health has obviously shifted everything. I mean, the Saints defense um, giving up a, an insane amount of explosive plays, and explosive plays are um, pass plays of 16 yards or greater and rush yards of 12 yards or greater. And I think they're, uh, along with the Redskins, who gave up a lot of explosive plays uh, against the Cowboys this weekend and the Eagles oh, yeah. in the second half last week. Um, but, hey, at least the Redskins have Terry McLaurin, who is maybe the best young receiver that no one's talking about like that dude is legit and he's like he's it turns out folks you should keep drafting ohio state wide receivers they're pretty good um <laughs> absolutely like if you could if the cowboys game told you anything about that watching uh devin smith go off after two acl surgeries ohio state got speed if that's one thing they got they got speed except for michael thomas he don't count <laughs> why doesn't michael thomas count he does not have the speed like that. He's not going to get past guys. His his literal claim to fame is his route running, his uh, physicality, and his just fundamentals. But he's not going to blow past guys on any night of the week. That's why you see Drew Brees. He's a perfect match for Drew Brees because they throw those intermediate, those short routes really, really well because that's that reflects his skill set. That reflects Drew's skill set. So it was, it was kind of like a match made in heaven when those two came together. And that's why I think Teddy will be fine. 
for them and why it was a good idea for them to re-sign him and for him to stay in that system because of the kind of stuff that they do. He's not going to be asked to do the dirt cutter style scheme that uh, the Falcons are running where he's just, he's going to do a lot of dump offs. He's going to do a lot of stuff to Alvin Kamara. He's going to target Taysom Hill. He's going to target Michael Thomas like 13 times. It's just, it won't be that bad. And also they've got a great offensive line. I'm not as worried about the Saints as I'm worried about the Steelers right now. No, absolutely not. And that was that was one thing I was thinking about. I was like, uh, the Saints literally, you got Drew Brees out for the next maybe six, eight weeks. If they stay to five hundred in their division, they're going to be completely fine, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll like. What is their schedule? Let me pull up the Saints' schedule for here on out because I mean, we don't. There's no point in looking at the Steelers right now, but I think the Saints' schedule isn't that daunting but i then like the thumb it's his throwing hand like are we sure that even if he's back after six weeks that he's just gonna be the same guy at his age i mean he had the shoulder issue last year and we saw what he looked like after that um i don't know i don't think it's a guarantee that he's just totally fine ready to get uh acclimated back into their scheme i just i think this might be something that lingers weeks on like a tearing a ligament in your throwing thumb i just i don't imagine that even when he comes back it's just going to be all right we're good um I, yeah exactly and, and i'm like i feel the same way but if they can get him back to 100 percent, because the thing with drew Brees is because he's 40 and he's been in his later 30s these last few years like once he gets halfway through the season that arms that shoulder that that body gets a little tired and those uh longer routes those longer intermediate routes become like mediocre intermediate and shorter intermediate and and you start to see that arm strength and Drew Brees kind of go down a little bit so I mean with him and looking at Ben like we could be looking at the end of an era for for a couple couple quarterbacks in the league now that were the premier players at one time the NFL lost Andrew Luck Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees in a month maybe they're all on OJ's fantasy team because that's what had started the whole Andrew Luck thing I feel bad that I enjoy those videos. I just enjoy them because I was literally everybody, his first three, three round picks. It was just, just, I, I don't want to say death, but like things just didn't work out for the football careers. I'm trying to figure out who, like think about who else he drafted, but I just entered, I'm so entertained by OJ Simpson. Where still is he thinking. at in all these? Is he, does he just live at a country <clears throat> club now? Like everything is at him. He's just playing golf all the time, playing fantasy football. I, I don't understand what his he life just, is. He's riding around in carts, waiting for some cameras to show up so he can just he can shine one more time for us. That's all he's waiting on. I just I don't understand how he's mastered social media. Like his videos are just like one of those things you look at the views and you're like, oh, this dude just knows what he he's just a social media savant. Um, I don't know. It's all very weird, and I feel very guilty about watching that stuff, but I, I still watch it when it pops up in my timeline. Um, I, I, I absolutely, don't know. absolutely, that's my guilty pleasure right now, but. but. I'm going to stop. I say I'm going to We'll cut stop. all of this from the podcast. I hope so, because it's bad. It's terrible. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, – I was looking at the same schedule. And it's not good. It's not, because they got the Seahawks and then the Cowboys. It, they dive off, because you, you get Jameis. You might get a win out of Jameis. I mean, Jameis looked good this weekend. Chris Godwin's a freak of nature. Like, the, the Bucks' offense is for real. Well, that's them and the Jags were their only hope for that one. So, and the Jags might be in desperation mode in Jacksonville, but we also don't know. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe and AJ Bouye are out; they're getting rattled by injuries. <clears throat> Nick Foles up, but I, I mean, Gardner Minshew, love it. Hey, how do you don't love Doug Marone for just handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette, going for two? Like, I don't. That was dumb. Like, just running it up the middle. Like, even it's the Texans defense, whatever. But, like, I think they also had the best rushing defense in football last year. I, I – that was just – that was idiotic. Like, I love the Broncos doing it and going for two. I did not love the Jaguars doing it. That was that was nuts to me. Yeah, for the Jaguars to do that, that, that moment, I get you have the uh, the rookie quarterback in, in guard Michigan. But he was great. Michigan. He was great the whole game. He was the reason they were in the game. But in that point, I'm thinking – you get, you got to run an RPO. You got to give him yep. some room to make something happen. You can still go to Fournette with him passing or running. You just got to give him options, and they kind of made themselves extremely one-dimensional. You know what he, they were going to do. We knew what they were going to do, so the defense figured it out pretty quickly, and all they had to do was go mono and mono, stop Leonard Fournette, game's over. I have a stat for you. This is real. This is real. What would you guess Dak Prescott's completion percentage on throws where he – it's an RPO – 
but he ends up not keeping it, but throwing it. What would you guess the season through two weeks, his completion percentage is? Uh, through two weeks, I would say 86%. 100%. He hasn't missed a throw yet. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's insane. He's, his completion he's percentage it. is like over 80, but like that's been the biggest difference. So like if you look at the, the scheme and the changes, um, I mean, you're a Cowboys fan, so you can definitely attest to this, but like from Lenahan to Callum Moore, Kellen Moore is just like, we're going full Andy Reid. We're going full RPOs. Like, they're top five in the league and doing that, and they didn't do that as much last year. But also play action. Like, he is doing all kinds of play action and RPOs, and he actually doesn't keep it a lot. He actually ends up throwing it a lot, and that's just opened up the offense all over the place. And um, it turns out uh, Kellen Moore, actually a, a, a whiz kid. Yeah, I was I was like, I was like kind of worried about Kellen Moore at first just because this is his – real coaching like offensive coordinator this is the first time he's ever like drawn plays or something like that but if you look at his history of just him in football like his dad being a coach him coming to cowboys and being there when dad got there so him and dad learn together him and dad train together so they have a different rapport they have a different relationship than scott linehan's gonna have and also when kellen's out there drawing plays he's scott linehan's system was made for tony romo and we forget that and this Kellen Moore system with Jason Garrett is made specifically for the success of Dak Prescott. Like, of course, they have Ezekiel Elliott and all the moving parts that go along with it, but they want to do what Dak does well. And the only person who's really knew that in that in that office was probably Kellen Moore, just being with him, being the QB coach, and now being his OC. Unfortunately, he's doing too well. And if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be telling Kellen Moore, hey, uh, can you quit that shit? Because guess what? You're going to get hired next year and you're going to be the coach of the Dolphins. So we need you to calm the fuck down. Like that would be my biggest concern right now from a Cowboys fan because I'm like, oh, the NFL is only hiring uh, white guys who are coaching wizards on offense in their 30s right now. That's the, the hot commodity. You're losing yeah. him next year. Yeah, I mean, and if he shook hands with Sean McVay, he's completely gone. He's probably hired right now. Oh, my God. Is there a picture of <laughs> Callum Moore and Sean McVay together? If there was right now and someone dug it up, guaranteed it's over. Yeah, if they're just in the same room, even if he just said, hey, what's up? Didn't even know the guy's name. I, I think he's gone. I Wait, think do, it's they play the, do they play the Cardinals this year? Or not the Cardinals, uh, the Rams? Oh, yeah. they. Uh, so the Cowboys from the schedule, they literally only play – I'm trying to be nice when I say this. They only play like four losable games that I say I can see. Like they play the Pats, they play uh, the Rams, they play the Bears, of course, and they play the Packers. It was, they did have the fifth being the New Orleans Saints, but with Drew Brees switching that up this week and they them playing them in a couple weeks, it's down to the four. I mean, the, the Cowboys, like right now, I, I just imagine Roger Goodell through two weeks, he's just through the he's just through the man like he is looking at the lay of the land the two best teams in football right now i think unequivocally are the dallas cowboys and the new england patriots just the ratings alone if they get cowboys pats in the super bowl next year oh that's the dream antonio just, brown tom brady tony romo potentially calling it just tell me cbs has the super bowl tell me C tony romo has to call a cowboys super bowl I really wanted to be CBS. That would be amazing to me because you know how much I hated Romo, but I think it's you Fox. Do. do you actually hate Romo? I hated Romo as a Dallas Cowboys quarterback, but I love him. He's the best announcer I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's great. Like, this is where he's supposed to be. Calling Dak Prescott's games, and I'm completely fine with it. I want to know who has the Super Bowl. Is this, oh, please tell me it's CBS. Please tell me it's CBS. It is... Uh, it's in Miami. Which network has it? This is great radio. But I need to know. Oh, it's Fox. Aikman, though. But Aikman would have to call it. Which and guess who has the best winning percentage since Aikman? DK. I mean, Dak Prescott, man. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's not it's, Tony Roma, but that's that's close enough. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's it's almost to the point where Dak has... I think he either has the same amount of playoff wins or uh, a little like more than Tony Romo, which is wild because of how long Tony Romo played. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> instant reaction to Jalen Ramsey, his trade request. Why, why would you move him if you're Jacksonville? First of all, my instant reaction was, it's about time. I knew it was coming, <laughs> man. It was coming. Like, I know you don't, you probably don't listen to Taylor Luan. He has a podcast busting with the boys. And you just listen to Jalen Ramsey. 
if he could go anywhere right now, he's trying to get to the Titans. But he the just, Titans. Yeah, that's where he's from. He's from uh, Brentwood. Why? Why? What? They're not trading him in in division. Like that's not happening. No, 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 absolutely not. But and I think Jalen has this weird idea in his head that he was going to play the year out and kind of go like try to sign there or something like that, maybe for a hometown discount. But um, discount right. in his prime. He might, Why would Jalen Ramsey sign a discount? Hey, you never know. You know, like that's hustling back backwards. Up. That doesn't seem like Jalen Ramsey. That's actually true. He's a primetime prodigy, so that that was out. Of, Everything about Jalen Ramsey is that he um, he skips everything in the offseason and Tom Coughlin his first year when he came in he was super pissed that Jalen Ramsey has his own like um, basically offseason workout program away in LA and I think it's with his dad not LA it's in Tennessee and Mm -hmm. it's with his dad his dad like trains him personally and it's just those two and they work on everything together and um I, I don't know. I love Tom Coughlin being like, "What what's going on? It's like the same thing with Antonio Brown, but to a smaller degree where it's like the dude's working out. He'll be fine. Like he'll be there and he'll be, he'll be great. Like he's, uh, I don't know, but like he's still under contract. He's got uh 13 million base salary next year. Oh, um, wow. So he's so, locked up next year too. Yeah. He's locked up. Next, that's why like, if you're the Jaguars, I don't think you tr- like, I would not, I would not move him because I think he's not a free agent until 2021. Like, just bite the bullet. Like, also, if you have to pick between uh, Doug Marone and Jalen Ramsey, um, don't pick Doug Marone. I think Tom Coughlin's going Doug Marone, bro. I think he is. I think you're right. I think Tom Coughlin definitely seems to hate Jalen Ramsey and a lot of the personalities on this team because Tom Coughlin, like, coaches it. Like, I just... The difference between college and pros, and this is the biggest thing, is, like, how you'll figure out whether or not a coach will succeed or bomb in some capacity, is that do they look at these guys like they're still kids that they can control or do they look at them as not superiors but like they're you need these guys like hey you're a professional i'm a professional let's make this work the ones who can like the Pete carroll types where they're like no i'll take it anybody is he talented great love him i can fit him into my system but if you're the hard nose like i want to be the army general blah blah blah, and these guys work for me and these guys follow my rules and blah like no they're, they're grown men you need to you need to be careful and like Doug Marone getting in Jalen Ramsey's face and that whole uh, sideline altercation. You're like, oh, I've seen this move before. Uh, average oh, yeah. coach thinks he can do more and just alienates his franchise players, and uh, it all blows up in his face. We've seen this movie before in sports, professional oh, yeah. sports. Well, and we're about to watch it again. I mean, I think a lot of coaches are trying to get into that that Bill Belichick way, and they think it works for everybody. But no, when you get- yeah. When you get to the pros, you're you're leading grown men. They they smell the BS a mile away. So that's why you'll see a lot of Belichick prodigies and stuff like that. Not saying Doug Marone is, but you'll see a lot of those guys fail because they're trying to rule with the iron fist and, and that don't work with everybody. They they know when the smoke's coming, they know when uh the cappings happen. So they they're not going for it. It's um it's dumb as shit. And Doug, Mer- like, whatever the problem is, just don't, don't get in your professional athlete's face. Like, what, what, what's the good there? What's going to happen? What, how do you think that was going to go if you're Doug Marum? That Jalen Ramsey's going to be like, you got it, coach. Thanks for the pep talk. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Ramsey, of all people. You can do that with just about anybody else. Nick Foles might say, hey, thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You know what? <laughs> I was in the wrong. Jalen Ramsey, not about it, bro. Like, it's not going down. <laughs> If there was a list, like, top five uh, superstar NFL players to go after on a sideline altercation, Jalen Ramsey would uh, not be in my list of guys I want to target. That is, that is definitely not the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going the Matt Ryans, the Nick Foles. I'm going guys on that list. Uh, but Jalen Ramsey, the Miles Jacks, like, Des Bryants, they're not on the list for me, man. I'm not there on that no, but balls up for Doug Marone to, to do that, to alienate more of his guys. Great move. Um, first coach fired, before we get into, uh, tell me why I'm wrong. Um, who do you think it is right now? Oh, Two no, no, no. We, we literally just, just talked about it. It's, for me, it's Doug Marone, because I think, um, I know Tom Coughlin is trying to rule with the iron fist and everything like that, but he's going to get to the point at the end of the season when, because the lows of Doug Marone is completely on Gardner Minshew right now, and I don't know how that's going to work out over a 14-game spread. And once you lose that locker room as a coach, there's not much more you can do for that. If these guys aren't playing for you anymore, you got to find a new guy. And this might be the last time we see Doug Marone for a while. So, 
He'll probably go back to college. He'll get a college job. Yeah, I think that's where he'll end up going, and he may be happier there. But you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and a couple years ago they were Super Bowl contenders, and they were supposed to be the best team in de- best team in football. They were supposed to have the best defense in football, and they're not even there anymore. They just have players, and they can never pull it together. And after a while, you can't blame players anymore because players move, players retire, and stuff like that. you got to look at your head coach, and you should honestly look at that GM, but the coach is always the first one to go in that type of battle. Can I tell you who my pick is right now? Who is it? Oh, I feel pretty confident about this one, too. Ron Rivera. Oh, my gosh. That was my number two. I like a lot of people forget new owner. This is not his guy. GM's not his guy. He came in. He was a minority owner in Pittsburgh. He has no relation to the Ron Rivera riverboat Ron experience. <laughs> Cam is clearly not right. They're 0-2. They're in desperation mode. A lot of question marks in that offensive line. A lot of question marks just with that team as a whole right now. I I think he's like a lot of people are talking about like Jay Gruden. No. No. I think it's I, I think it's him. I think it's Ron Rivera. I don't think it would be Jay Gruden at all. I mean, I get it, like the Redskins are not gonna do well at all this year, but they have rookie quarterback and everything like that. But Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rev- Case Keenum is no rookie. Case Keenum uh, is an established veteran, sir. My my son, my fault. I'm literally foreshadowing that Case Keenum will not be in that lineup for the entire season. I think I love before. Case Keenum. Like him moving around in the pocket. Case Keenum's fun. He was airing it out. He found Terry McLaurin. Like that dude just air like he's just he's fun. I wish he was like two thousand uh seventeen, uh two thousand sixteen Case Keenum, but um he's not. And also Trent Williams not being their left tackle right now and that offensive line being in shambles and Darius Geis getting injured again. Not great for, for the Washington football team. But um, Jake Gruden and also the Redskins and Dan Snyder and that group, very patient. I, I just find it hard to believe that that stagnant group is going to fire Jake Gruden midway through the season. I could 100% see the Panthers firing Rivera and elevating Norv Turner, who's been a head coach like 19 different times. Like they already have a associate head coach in waiting right there. No, I mean, they definitely do. And the relationship that Norv and and Cam would kind of help with that transition, even though with the way Cam's playing right now, I don't know how long he's going to be there. But uh, <clears throat> Ron, Ron, really, his uh, his whole persona of a head coach was to be that disciplinarian and also be a defensive minded head coach. And they're not stopping anybody. Like if they're not even they're not stopping Jameis, which I hate to harp on Jameis because I love Jameis. But over the past couple of years, Jameis has not been the hot guy in the in the NFC South. So. It's just not looking good for Ron right now, and if they're already 0-2, and if they can't pull it together and at least be 500 before the end of the season, he is out of there. You see Vic said that uh, he doesn't think Cam Newton will be a Panther in 2020. Wow. That's that's the hottest take of the year right there. Jesus. But Like, where would he go? Like, you don't see quarterback movement like that in the NFL. I don't know where, <laughs> if he were to move on or something. Like, I don't even know who makes sense for him. Well, the thing about it is, like, we see we can see quarterback movement, but, like, for a Heisman Trophy winner, for a guy of Cam's stature and his build and everything like that, the league has never seen that before. That's just an extremely hot take. I think uh, I think Vic, Vic is definitely wrong on that one, but I see where he's going. He's, like, he, he's probably thinking it's, it's about that time for the Panthers to move on from Cam Newton. There aren't that many options for him. Like, most teams have a quarterback now. Like... It, I don't know who it would be. Like the Colts, I don't think would do it. The Titans have some questions. I think the Bucks are going to stay with the Jameis experience. Detroit, maybe depending on what happens with Stafford. Um, Broncos might. Broncos would make the most sense. They I reach feel it. like would Elway want Cam? Is Elway a Cam guy? I don't know. I have oh, he's doubts. definitely he's definitely not a Cam guy. But no. the way John Elway reaches at quarterbacks and stuff like that, I I can see it happening. Yeah, there's just not, if you look around the league, not a lot of options. You know what it, it should be, but it won't happen? Minnesota. Oh, that's a good pick. If they didn't have so much guaranteed money and uh, not good quarterback Kirk Cousins, or also not good quarterback Mitch Trubisky in Chicago, that would be that'd be interesting too. Who Mitch Trubisky is second in uncatchable throws um, to start this season. Number one, unfortunately, sad to say, Cam Newton. <laughs> I... Uh, he would fit right in in Chicago, but um, I, I have my I have some serious concerns there. Um, all right, so let's get into tell me 
I'm wrong. And uh, my first one, tell me I'm wrong about the Cowboys now having to make Dak Prescott the highest paid quarterback after week one and two. I mean, it's it's not even just after week one and two. It's it's literally after his his entire resume speaks to it. Like it's his time. We're in this point in the NFL where the next guy up is going to be the highest paid guy. And he's he's 34 and 16 as a Cowboys quarterback. He's got some playoff experience. He's the unquestioned leader of that team. I know Zeke may be the best player right now, but with the shelf life of running backs compared to quarterbacks, we know what the long term is going to look like for Dallas right now. Um, Also, I mean, there's only one quarterback with more game winning drives in him from the point when he entered the NFL, and that's Matt Stafford. Um, So Dak's going to get paid. Jerry's biding his time. I have no reason. I can't figure out why. I think it was more so. I think he was honestly about to get signed when that whole Jerry Goff uh, payday happened. But when Jerry Goff got paid, Dak's number went up. And if somebody else gets paid, his number's going up even more. I think Jerry Jones needs to go ahead and bite that bullet. Maybe not the $40 million a year bullet, but he definitely needs to give him more than that, that Carson Wentz deal. Did you see that um, part of it has to do with the fact that he gets so much money in endorsements that he's in no rush to sign the deal? Yeah, and I think that number was definitely inflated a little bit more, and I think that was a, that might have been a little tactic used by Dak's agent. Um, but he, he definitely is getting paid. He's definitely a humble guy, and he thinks he's going to have some longevity in the league. So he's always been a guy who works in a pressure cooker. Like, he's, he's fine when the pressure's on. So this is nothing to him. So he's just going to wait it because he knows he's getting paid. He just knows it's a matter of time of when. when it, where is he in jersey sales? Is he <clears throat> in Ezekiel Elliott, do you think? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think, think so, so either. I think he's definitely number two. I mean, of course I got it because I'm, I'm a Dak Prescott fan. But in my family, literally, we have three jerseys. Two of them are Zeke. I, I'm definitely seeing that going, going nationwide. But um, it, it doesn't even matter about sales at this point. He is their leader. There is nobody on that team who can who can even bring it to that point because Leighton Vander Esch isn't there yet. Jalen's not there yet. Zeke is not the uh, Zeke has been to Roger Goodell's office way too many times. He's just a guy who's doing everything. He shows up to every meeting. He talks. He speaks well. He says all the right things. He's always behind Jerry Jones a hundred and thousand percent. Jerry Jones has already said it's an imminent payday, but. You know, it's it's just a it's the accumulation of all those things, and then uh, for the last twelve game of twelve games of Dak Prescott's career, pretty much when Amari Cooper got there, he's gone ten and two. Yeah, um, the Amari Cooper difference cannot be understated. Um, also, the offensive line being healthy and being as dominant as it is, and that defense being what it is, I it's just everything coalesced the right way around him, and it looks like a lot of those guys are gonna be around for. The majority of his prime. So if that's the case, they'll be okay. And also, like, right now, if there's no rush and if Dak's not going to push the Cowboys to make a deal now, that's great for the Cowboys. If they can get through this whole season without doing it, sure. And then, I mean, if they make the Super Bowl, then, um, I, unfortunately for Jerry Jones' checkbook, it's um, it's going to be in trouble because it uh, it's going to be very Flacco-esque. Um, but I also am higher on Dak than it was Flacco at the time. So... We'll, we'll have to see. But I do think this is leading to Dak being the highest paid quarterback. I guess I'm just more interested to see if he's the highest guaranteed money quarterback, if he's able to um, get that get that Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins money. Um, next, tell me I'm wrong about the Steelers surviving without Big Ben and winning the AFC North because I, I'm not quick to count out the Steelers team. I think there is a very real chance they rebound mason rudolph looked okay he had some good stuff in there like i think or maybe you know what they say fuck it we're trading for josh rosen we're bringing (laughs) him in um i just i think i trust the steelers infrastructure and i like that defense i like that offensive line still a lot i like their receivers i i just i can't count them out yet yes they lost at home to this the seahawks the seahawks are good i i'm not counting them out yet yeah my thing is uh I would have to look more at their schedule, but I think they're out. I okay. like. I think. Um, I think they're really going to have some trouble. This is going to be a tough year for Mike Tomlin, and I'm a guy who's who's high on Mason Rudolph. I loved him in Oklahoma State, especially when he had that shootout, that legendary shootout with Baker Mayfield. 
when they're just going shot for shot. But I, I just think that division's too strong. The AFC is too strong. I would definitely have to look at their schedule. Like if they're playing the Dolphins a couple times, they may have a little buffer in there. I mean, they but, have the Dolphins on the schedule, which is which is great for them. But I don't. Everything everybody isn't a high school team like the uh, the Miami Let's go Dolphins. Their schedule. They're they're at San Francisco next week. Okay. Bengals at home. Ravens at home. At Chargers. Dolphins at home. Colts at home. Rams at home. Like they have a lot of home games while they get Mason Rudolph ready. Like I think that's a potentially a big thing. And also, dear God, Andy Dalton versus Mason Rudolph on Monday Night Football. ESPN getting screwed again. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely going to be another one of those. But I, I just don't see it for him. I mean, I don't think they're going to be like I don't think they're going to go zero and fourteen over these next few weeks or anything like that. But it's going to be tough on them. I think. Most of their talent is going to reside more on that defensive side of the ball. If Mike Tomlin can put his money where his mouth is and make that team more physical, and because they they're they're a better team without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown from from Monday to Monday to Saturday, but on Sunday when it's time to play, you need talent on that roster. You need that offensive talent, and we're in a league right now where if you can't throw the ball, if you can't make exciting plays, explosive plays, you're just not going to last. And and I have to see a lot more from Mason Rudolph before I give them the green light to be okay in Pittsburgh. I believe in him. I don't know why. I believe in Mason Rudolph. I think he might be good. I think there's a real chance he's good. I believe in Gardner Minshew, but I'm not. I'm not. You believe in com- Gardner Minshew, but not Mason Rudolph. Listen, that, the all-time that's... touchdown leader at Oklahoma State that just only puts out touchdown leaders. Well, if you have impeccable swag, you get you get somewhat of a pass from me. But uh, Mason Rudolph, I don't, I don't know what we're going to be looking at here because I, I don't even think he, he beat out Josh Dobbs for the backup job. So I'm, I'm kind of worried there, and I just want to see, I want to see what this body work over the next couple weeks looks like. Can I tell you I, one of the reasons I like him a lot? Oh Jesus, what? Big Ben told him to fuck off when he first got there, and it oh, reminded yeah. me a little bit of the Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers thing, where I wonder if he looked at him of like, oh, he, this is the next guy. And I'm not helping you take my job. Kind of like what Brett Favre looked at him. I I don't think Ben looked at any other backup. I don't think he looked at Landry Jones the way he looked at uh, Mason Rudolph. I think no, there's... It's different. I, if I had to bet, I think Mason Rudolph's good. That That's why I'm I'm hedging on the Steelers. I I think Mason Rudolph has a real chance to be good. I think uh, going, in that, going in that situation, I think you're kind of right. Because with that Landry Jones thing... He was Ben was going through some health issues then, so it was kind of helping him out stay in the playoffs when Landry Jones would come in and stuff. But he never saw the guy as a threat. And with Josh Dobbs, he was kind of buddy buddy with him. But with Mason, he came out the gate hot. He was yeah, like, oh. like I'm not talking to this dude. I'm not helping him. He got like mad at on radio appearances about being asked about Mason Rudolph. Like I just think it's different, and I wonder if that's because he really did look at him like, oh, this is the next guy. I finally see the next franchise quarterback in Pittsburgh, and it's not me. Yeah, I'll buy with you on that one. I'm a little intrigued by that one, but he probably looked at that guy. He's like, he threw for over 400 400 yards one game in college. Like, he might come up in here and blow it up because that organization is good. They've been historically good. You are right about that. You you are right to have trust in that organization. It's just, I really have not seen it done except for the Patriots without talent with a without a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball so they have a lot of offensive talent though I love Juju James Washington Deontay Johnson um, and that whole offensive line with DeCastro and everybody else like they they have the infrastructure to survive with him I really do believe that I, I believe in it so um and the last thing on the Steelers Landry Jones he is going to be a sports trivia question at every local sports bar for the next 20 years because he was the first quarterback signed in the XFL. Oh, my God. Yeah, Landry Jones, legend. legend. Um, I forget, was he signed by Bob Stoops' team? I think he was. And Bob Stoops, they, I think he coached him at Oklahoma. I'm pretty yeah, confident was, they crossed over. Yeah, yeah, he was Stoops' guy. So there you go. Um, future sports trivia people, that's, that's going to be a question. I guarantee you. Um, tell me I'm wrong about the Falcons now not having an excuse to not win the NFC South. Like, not even a wild card. That's a huge disaster. I think I would still fire people. With how the NFC South is unfolding, it's just the Bucks are not ready. They're too Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. The Panthers are sliding. 
They're 0-2. The Saints just lost Breeze. Like, everything is opening up for the Falcons to have a 10-11 win season. Like, I, the pressure was already on, but now it's like, oh, God, you have no excuses for not winning this division at this point. Yeah, but that's the thing about Atlanta teams. You can't put that type of pressure on that because we're, we're – I will. Sure they gonna... should. There's no reason for them not to at this point. There is absolutely no reason to not look at them as the favorite. I mean, they should definitely be the favorite. I mean, they have the best quarterback in that division right now. I mean, and they have all their defensive players back. They should be able to pull it together. They should, should, keyword should. But if if New Orleans lasts through this, this next six-week period, which is looking unlikely, but, you know, miracles can happen, I could totally see the Falcons screw, screwing the pooch. Every time I get my hopes up on the Falcons, they let me down, so... It's it's all right on Matt Ryan at this point and, and Julio, which isn't bad, but they're going to have to score a lot of points if they want to make it happen. I'm just interested to see how this catchable throw and this just kind of new Matt Ryan experience through two weeks, whether or not it, it keeps happening. If we see more and more picks, if we see more and more bad decisions, I, I'm curious. I don't know if it's a trend or just a blip. We'll have to see. It looked um, like he was trying to be a gunslinger for a moment, but that's not but that's his their thing. That's their cutter. Yeah. Yeah, he's like he's taking some steps out of Jameis's playbook, and I'm like, mm-hmm. not to harp on Jameis too much, but it looked like he's trying to do the same things there, and that's not yes. Matt Ryan's style. And you got to play within who Matt Ryan is. He has a big arm. He goes off the play action. He can slice and dice you. He can dump and stuff like that. And you just got to play within that. If they try to get too outside themselves and get too cute, it's just gonna derail for them altogether. Tell me I'm wrong, but this is maybe my strongest take over the weekend. But I think Baker and Kyler the last two years have made it really hard for the NFL to discourage teams like the Dolphins from tanking. Because if you're the Dolphins, you look at what Kyler has done through two weeks, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I get to a tongue of Viola next year. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do everything in our possibility. Because once you get the quarterback now, because it's a, such a quarterback-driven league, and like one quarterback can change everything, even in just one season. I mean, Kyler has been incredible like cardiac kyler is already a thing like they're one and one and it feels like they've won the super bowl if you're an arizona fan you're like oh kyler's he's he's the real deal and you saw that with baker last year when he got on the field like i i think these quarterbacks now coming in where it's like oh like how do you tell these teams yeah don't do that don't go for one of those guys because guess what they're gonna change everything about your franchise like the snap of their fingers yeah, I think it's going to be definitely difficult to stop people from tanking. I think I put my my laurels, like my my thought process, more on the Baker Mayfield situation. Like when he got in on Monday night, as weird as that sounds, with and he was playing against the Jets last year, everything changed in that stadium. From like the whole persona of the stadium, all the players ran faster. It looked like they were catching more balls and they were taking more chances and things of that nature. And it, you look at the Miami Dolphins and you look at what looking at them just like trading away everything they possibly can. They're having like a fire sale down there. And you, you just see it like if you know that your quarterback is going to take you over the top and you see that that that's where we're going. That's where this league is. That's the trend is quarterbacks is throwing the football. You got if you don't have a guy who can throw, you're out of it. I feel bad for Josh Rosen because it looks like the, the two of sweepstakes is coming to Miami soon. But they teams are definitely going to start tanking and. I think that's going to be a problem for Roger Goodell going forward. Also, Brian Flores, you you done fucked up, my guy. And this is what I wrote about this offseason where I was like, <laughs> we've seen this movie before. It happened with Steve Wilkes last year in Arizona. Um, if you're a defensive-minded coach and you take one of these bad rebuilding projects, but you don't hire the right OC and you don't have the quarterback and you don't have the offensive firepower to put together an enjoyable product, you're done. Like you can, that's the most important thing. If you're a bad team is you better be fun. And the dolphins are not fun. They're getting outscored. Like what? 102 to 10 through two weeks. Like, Oh yeah. I think he's getting fired. I don't, I, people can look at it as an overreaction, but we saw this last year. The Arizona Cardinals had an historically bad offense. Like it was, I think sixth worst all time, according to for, football outsiders um, per offensive DBOA. And he got fired. Like there's just a tipping point where like, if your offense and your team is that bad, you're you can't sell that to a fan base in 2020 even if two is coming it's not enough and no, i think he's getting fired no i definitely i agree with you i it was one of those things i was scared about that was going to be like one of my hottest takes of it is just looking at them they're not able to score points they look like they have no energy no motivation they're not doing anything everybody wants out 
Uh, Brian, he really doesn't have a chance, and he's another Belichick prodigy or stuff like that, a product of that system. And it's just going to look bad because you see it with Steve Wilkes thing, and he lost his job after a year, and then Brian Flores literally goes to Miami and does the exact same thing. And I don't know everybody in their head as soon as he did it were just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, we've, we've seen this, and we've seen this movie. You're, you're, you're trying to do something different, and it's just not going to work out for him. He'll be somebody's great D.C. next year. Probably back in New England because they didn't actually replace him. Belichick and his son are actually calling plays, I believe, in New England this year on defense. And you know what that is? That's like the ultimate heat check. He's he just let him go. He's like, no, 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 we don't we don't need to hire. He'll 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 be back. He'll yeah, be back. yeah. He just knew the Dolphins are gonna be <laughs> terrible. Um, he'll be back. But go get that check, bro. Go get yeah, that check, my guy. Yeah, yeah. You go get that check till January. We'll be here February uh, after the Super Bowl. Just call us and we'll have you come back in, man. It'll be all good. Oh man. Um. Tell me I'm wrong, but I think people are overreacting to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens hot to a no start. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. They literally overreacted after week one against the Dolphins. Yes. So so my thing is like I I love Lamar Jackson. I loved him in college. But He's they got, beat the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Thank you. And my thing is he has a strong arm. He's fast. He's like Vic, but a little bit taller, but a slimmer build. He has all the tools to be there, but I'm still one of those guys. I think you got to be a cerebral guy to, to make it. And we're seeing this offense fly off, and we see it. We're seeing it do well. But once these good defenses get a book, a better book on Lamar Jackson, I think a lot of that's going to slow down, and they're going to throw a lot of exotic looks at him, and they're going to try to get him off his spot. And we saw that in the playoffs with him last year. And if he's not, if he's not better, better in film study, in the X's and O's, it's just going to be a repeat. I, um, it's fun. I enjoyed the Lamar Jackson stuff. I think he's fun to watch everything else, but like, dear God, it's the Cardinals and they almost lost. Tyler almost came back and beat him. Um, Oh, also, have you heard that post game interview? His post game interviews should keep him in the NFL for 15 years. Like he's got, he's hilarious. He's got a great personality. Yeah. Cause he's, he does not know how to like dress dress words up or anything like that. He is who he is. He's Kodak, and he's just saying it. Whatever comes to mind, he's about it. And it, it, I'm rolling on the floor laughing because I know he's just dead ass serious with every word that comes out of his mouth. One hundred percent, and that's cool. It's refreshing. It's fine. But like the Ravens, people are talking about them like they are just they're a force to be reckoned with blah 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 and i'm like okay let's let's wait till they play the steelers can we wait till they play the steelers or the browns can we get them against the the pats yeah. can we actually see them play somebody real first before we're like lamar jackson like told like way too much i told you so after two weeks like let's just see mark andrews has been an insane tight end target for them they've been great the defense is strong but like let's let's just pump the brakes a little bit um yeah. i think we can uh we can just hey wait and see a little bit um tell me i'm wrong but i think the nfc west is undoubtedly the best division in football now i don't even really think it's close i literally this was the one i was talking about you earlier like uh i honestly thought you were wrong because i wanted to say because for the longest time it's been the nfc south and i'm just looking around and i go through the nfc west and i'm like rams awesome uh they got jerry Goff, sean McVay, 49ers you got Kyle Shanahan and you got Jimmy G, which I think he's going to do better. And then They're you got undefeated. Russell. Yeah, and then you got Russell Wilson and then you you Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll and you have Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And that is that's why I didn't think the Cardinals were going to do well because their division We argued is about stacked. this. Yes, and you were wrong. But it's I was complete- not wrong. Kyler's been amazing. I my whole thing was like they're they're good. They're well, 0 1 and 1. Well, that's where our philosophies are different. Like when I when you when I say amazing, I mean winning games. When you say amazing, you mean just throwing touchdowns. I don't get that. I, I'm but. like they're never out of a game. Like Kyler is going to keep them in every game this year. That's what I was saying. I was like, I was a huge Kyler guy. Kyler and Baker, are my dudes. No, those are my dudes too, especially Baker. But I'm like, my thing is, if you're not winning games, it's gonna hurt you. And they're not about winning games right now. They're about making games fun and entertaining. And they are they are appointment television in the fourth quarter. Well, Cliff better be about winning games real, real soon, or Steve Kime is out of that bad boy at the end of the year as well. Or just stop kicking field goals inside like the 10-yard line. Like, Kiff Kingsbury did not have a great head coaching day on Sunday, but 
Tyler, man, I just that division is just a bloodbath. Like I cannot wait for those divisional games. Like the 49ers, the Seahawks. I mean, the Cardinals are going to be very tough against all those teams. Like it's going to be so much fun to watch Kyler versus Russell in a couple of years. Yeah, and I feel like this this whole shift of power just kind of happened this year. I guess because Jimmy G went out with that with that tear last year, and then Kyler wasn't even here yet. But once you have all four teams with these franchise quarterbacks and making the league more electric, it just makes it. It makes it more exciting in that division, and then it also adds to the fact that people are going to be tanking so they can get guys like this. Well, this was the case, if you remember, like when Carson Palmer, when the, the Cardinals were Super Bowl favorites three years ago, and you had them, and then even a couple of years before that where you had Carson Still, you had um, Colin Kaepernick, and then you had Wilson. Like The NFC West was a bloodbath like this years ago. It was really the Rams who were holding up that division. Um who was the quarterback in those Jeff Fisher Rams years? Uh, so we had uh, we had some Sam Bradford days in that. Back yes, where. we did have some Sam Bradford days. Um, not and then, and then Jared Goff came in and was completely awful. And then Sean McVay comes in there, and then uh, he became a new man. Yeah, and Jared Goff's actually good. Like he's been good, and that's the other thing about the Cowboys. They adopted the the um, Sean McVay playbook in that. 70% of uh, their offensive sets this season have been in 11 personnel. And the Rams ran it more than anybody else by a long shot. I think there were like 96% of their offensive plays last year were in 11 personnel, which is just one tight end, one running back, and three receivers. And that's a difference maker, especially if you're the Cowboys and you have Randall Cobb, um, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup on the edge, kind of like with Cooper, um, Robert Woods, and um, uh, Brandon Cooks. So yeah. when you look at that, it's. It's a deadly weapon when you have those three. Um, last yeah. thing, and my tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong about the Cowboys and the Patriots. We talked about this a little bit, being Super Bowl bound after two weeks. So I always try to budge back on the Patriots because I just hate them so much because I'm a longtime Peyton Manning fan. But from what it's looking like, the Patriots are unstoppable. Um, you got Josh Gordon looking like the poster boy for New England after all the issues he's gone through. And from the way he's looking, I think he's going to make it through the entire season. And then you got Antonio Brown, who, if he's on the field, you have to double. And then you have a Super Bowl MVP coming named Julian Edelman. And then you got Tom Brady just engineering everything and Bill Belichick. And that defense is already going to be nasty just because of Bill Belichick. It's, it's just going to be crazy. And the Cowboys, they're stacked at every position except for defensive line. Literally, they have depth. They have their guys. They have pro bowlers. They have first team all defense all americans all these guys just stacked so it's it's looking that way right now um we do have an injury issue in dallas uh michael gabble is going to be out for four weeks but other than that everything is looking great for those two teams what did gab do uh he tore his meniscus today at practice so Mm. it's not a it's not a huge significant one but he's a two to four week one but if dallas can if dallas can get devin smith in there like they did this past weekend they'll be okay yeah, they'll be completely fine because Amari didn't have a big game. Um, Michael Galvin didn't really have a big game. Dak's just throwing it to anybody right now. He spread like Kellen Moore is using these sets, these motions to draw the defense out, making it easier for Dak to read it. And his play actions involve like guards pulling. So linebackers are biting even more. So he's he's getting everything in the gear. Kellen Moore is making it amazing. but So I think we're going to last without him. But it's just going to be a, a tough, tough couple weeks for my fantasy team. All right, that does it for week two of Tell Me I'm Wrong. Um, before we go, I want to check in with Kyle Shanahan. This might be a weekly segment. I don't oh my know. Gosh. But um, as you know, I'm the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan in the world. Um, Raheem Mustard, do you know that name? No, I do not. But no, I do you don't know because uh, no one knows who that was before this week, but he was PFF's uh, running back of the week because he graded out at 85.6. Averaged almost 10 yards to carry for the 49ers this week because Kyle Shanahan just does what he needs to to win football games. He, oh my like, gosh. Matt Breda last year, guess what? He's got a new Matt Breda. Raheem Mustard. Nick Mullins You're- last year for a couple weeks. Kyle Shanahan, I just, there's no one better. There, 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 there's better, but I, I don't understand your love for Kyle Shanahan, but he is a great coach. But your, yours, your love for him extends far past the X's and O's and, and football and everything. I don't know where this is stemming from, but it's, it's fine, I think. 
He's just incredible. Like, I just love Coach. Like, he's good at everything. He's a whiz kid. I identify with his personality. Like, he just... Death, taxes, and Kyle Shanahan putting together a top 10 offense. Like, that's what he does. Wait a minute. What? Okay, first of all, we we got to the root of the love. It's the the personality similarities that that you both have. Um, That's that's all that is. I don't think it's a problem. It, it it's 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 a problem for our house, but you know I, I I just wanted to see where the love came from, but it makes sense now, Chase. I'm cool with it. I just him, Zach Greinke. There are certain guys I listen to, and I'm like, oh, I get you. I know who you are. I've see, been there. The, the more you love him, the more it makes me not like him. But then I watch him on Sundays, and I'm I, I fall in love with the way he calls plays. Yeah, I don't know how but, he's married because he seems like one of those guys who's definitely on the tablet, like at all times, even when he's home. Like he's just looking through stuff and just breaking down film as like he's at family dinner. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a Tom Brady thing too. They they're always on it, and, but uh, you know, maybe maybe there's some weird stuff going on. You never know. But I'm not gonna get in his personal life. I'm gonna leave that to you though. Okay, perfect. I can do that. Um, <laughs> what is your Twitter handle, Duncan? Uh, it is at Duncan Steele. Is it just Duncan Steele? Did you get your full name? Oh, uh, it's at Duncan Tayo Steele. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got my full name in there. Duncan what? Yeah. Duncan Tayo Steele. That's my middle name. I'm uh, African. So my, is it really Tayo? Uh, yeah, my uh, my whole name is from from a different continent. My first name, Duncan, it's it's British where my dad grew up. Tayo is my middle name from Nigeria, and Steele is my mother's last name. See, we and learn something new every day. I've told you this. <laughs> This makes it worse. We have not been friends for like a couple months. It's been it's been about a year or two. This is this is weird, but it's fine. Oh god! My, fe- oh, my god. feelings are only partially hurt. Oh god! Yes, it's terrible. All We're right, gonna well, talk I'll about c- this later. I will no. <laughs> All right. Well, this was good. How are you feeling? Your first appearance on a podcast outside of the last thirty seconds that no one will understand because I cut the whole thing. Oh, thank God, because that, that shit got weird. But uh, I feel great about the podcast. I definitely don't want this to be my last time, especially on yours, because I look for any excuse to come give you shit. So I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. You didn't really give me much shit on this one. Well, there's time. You know, there's, there is time. You know, there's there's more. Like, hopefully, I'll be back, and the more comfortable I get, the more I'll be like a, um, what we see on a regular day basis. Right, which is, uh, Chase, go fuck yourself. Yeah. It, I dress it up better than that, though. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You're a much nicer man than me, and don't use such vul- such vulgarity in uh, in a constant stream of of words like I do. Yeah, because when I think of Chase Thomas, there are so many words that come to mind. I don't need to just use uh, I don't need to use vulgar words. There's there's other things in the dictionary for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I appreciate that. you for that. <laughs> Well, I have. Uh, never mind. I'm not gonna do that. No, I'm not gonna nope. do that. I was about to say nope. the most pretentious thing I could possibly say. So I'm not gonna do that. Um, Duncan, thank you. I will talk to you next week. Actually, I'm gonna talk to you in like a few minutes because we're recording this from the same location. But um, we will be back on the podcast next Monday night. Dunk, thanks so much. Hey, right, thanks, bro. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for, for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple Podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, Um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all of my work. So Chase Thomas Podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And uh, also follow me on Instagram at Chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And I will have another episode for you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.